It should come as no surprise that our Old Testament lesson this morning is Psalm 23. We've heard it sung this morning. We talked about it in part, at least, in the children's sermon. It is not what I'm preaching on this morning, although um, I'd love to. This is uh, Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, found on page 859 in your pew Bibles. Before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and God, we thank you for your word which you have given to us. I pray that this morning you would give us ears to hear, God, that you would give us minds that are ready to understand, God, that you would give us hearts that you have already prepared to receive this word into our lives today, God, that you would continue to change us more and more into the people that you created us to be in relationship with with you through Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Turning into our gospel lesson, John 19, verses 1 through 16. All right, we're going to try it this way. This is going to go out. As soon as it goes out this next time, <laughs> just give me the signal and I'll start yelling. That's how it's going to be. Unless anybody has a spare nine volt. Probably not. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like I was saying, it was a hard road uh, for Jesus, but yeah, it was the right road. And this is also something that we find ourselves in situations, not like this, not where we're going to the cross to you know, die for the sin of the world, but where God does call us to go down difficult roads, roads we might not want to go down. And do you know that, uh, you've probably heard this before, that people are afraid of death, Right? That's one of those things. Read in Hebrews, though, where it talks about how that's one of the things that Jesus died to free us from is slavery of the fear of death. He's victory over that. We don't need to be afraid of death anymore. So there's that. But do you know one of the things that people are more afraid of than death? You've probably heard this before. What was it? Public speaking. That is correct. That is correct. They have done surveys where they ask people, you know, to rank their fears, and people are more afraid of public speaking than of dying. They would rather die than have to get up in front of other people and say anything. You have no idea how hard this is right now. No. <laughs> so here's, here's what I want to put before you. You see the bulletin cover. You see the microphone pointed right at you. How's that make you feel? 
Say that is the road that you're called to go down. Say that at some point you have the microphone put in your face and everybody is listening to what you have to say because the question is, what do you think about Jesus? Tell me about Jesus. Tell me why it is that you're doing the things that you're doing that are different than the way the rest of the world is doing. And now the attention is on you. You've got the microphone in your face, so to speak. This may just be a one-on-one conversation. But say you've got that in your face and now... What do you say? What do you say? We're going to look at a situation where Paul is in that situation, where uh, he has been kind of <laughs> dragged and beaten. In, this is in Acts 21 and then 22. He's in Jerusalem, and he knew coming to Jerusalem that things were not going to go well, that people were going to bind him, they were going to beat him. And yet, he goes. He goes to Jerusalem. Is it off? Just excuse me for a moment. I can't stand wearing this thing, so it's not going to work. There's no point in it. There we go. Where were we? Jerusalem. That's where we were. We're in Jerusalem, and Paul's there. And what we looked at last week, just to catch everybody up uh, to speed, is he was being falsely accused. Falsely accused of something you probably never think he could be accused of. Make people all that upset. He was accused of taking somebody to church with him. Which, okay. But it was the wrong person. And it was the Jewish temple, which actually in the Jewish temple had different divisions where certain people were allowed to go and other people weren't allowed to go. And so they had this rumor going around that, you know, I think Paul actually took this Greek into the part where Greeks aren't allowed to go. Therefore, well, the law said the Greek needed to die. But they said, no, Paul needs to die. And so they take him and they start beating him right there, trying to kill him. And there's the the Romans who are over uh, Israel at the time. And uh, this land. And this Roman who's right there by the temple area, who's kind of in charge of making sure that things don't get out of hand. Now there's this... <laughs> they're beating a guy right outside the temple. It's like, well, I can't let that happen. And so he goes over there with some other guys. And they, um, they stop the beating. He gets Paul away. And then that's kind of where we left it last week. So then today, uh, we're going to see... Paul talks to this Roman first, and then he's going to actually speak to the people who were just beating him. Imagine being in that situation where people have just... It's not now... It's not just a matter of somebody saying to you, hey, tell us about Jesus, but it's people who moments before were beating you and wanting you to die, and then you're like, you know what, let let me me talk to them. (laughs) Let me explain my situation. What do you say now? Well, let's find out what Paul said. This is Acts 21. We're going to start in verse 37 and then go on through 22:21. So it says, As the soldiers uh, were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, May I say something to you? 
Do you speak Greek? He replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out in the wilderness some time ago? No. (laughs) So here we already have a case of mistaken identity where the Roman has assumed that Paul is somebody he's not. He's assumed that he's this Egyptian, and there's actually... um, one of the Jewish historians at the time, uh, Josephus, writes about this guy. He was an Egyptian Jew who actually started this revolt and had come to the Mount of Olives with all his men and they were going to try to take Jerusalem by force. He was going to sort of set himself up as the Messiah. So now there's this guy who's being attacked outside the temple and the, the Roman guy is like, that must be the case. This, that must be who this is. And Paul's like, no, you have me confused with somebody completely different. That happens sometimes. So Paul answered, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please, let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic. Just note that for a second. He spoke to the commander in Greek. He speaks to the crowd in Aramaic. We'll come back to that. When they heard him speak in Aramaic, uh, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I stuttered under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying at the temple. I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. That's where we're stopping. That is not where this story stops. This is Paul uh, giving his defense before the people. You can peek ahead at the next several verses 
And we'll talk about this next week. As They didn't listen. They listened for a while until he said this, and we'll talk about why uh, this was the, the line where they stop listening and start shouting to kill him again. But what I want us to look at for this morning is how it is that Paul defends himself. The way that he goes about this. When the microphone is thrust in his face and he's got to stand up before people and sort of give his defense, what does he choose to say and how does he choose to say it? Because I think that is what is instructive for us um, in that. And here's, here's the deal. Not all of us are going to be called into public speaking. Not all of us are, go- are going to be in a situation where you're standing in front of people kind of week in and week out and preaching, teaching. Any- However, we are all called to be witnesses. To be witnesses and to be a witness, that's exactly what it said about Paul, that he was going to be a witness for Jesus. And so that's what we see Paul doing, and that's what I want you to have in mind. It's not that, oh, oh I'm scared because at some point I'm going to have to do some public speaking. I don't want to do that. I'd rather die. <laughs> but instead, that you are called to be a witness. Now we have to think, what is it that a witness does? If you were called to testify in court about something... Do you get off the hook because you say, well, I've never been to law school? I can't do that. I haven't read all of the legal cases and the precedents that go before. You've got to give me several years so I can study up on all this case law first and then I can testify in court as a witness? No. You're not being called to do that. There are lawyers for that. There's the judge, there's the jury, who all of those people have their various roles. What is the role of the witness? Tell us what you've experienced. <laughs> Tell us what you have seen, what you have heard. And then everybody else gets to decide from there what to do with that information. But you are just called to give the information. What is it you have seen and heard? And that's what we see Paul doing. So he gets up in front of them. He says, I'm not that guy that you, may have me, you might have me confused with. Let me tell you my story. This is who I was. This is what happened when I met Jesus. This is how I am different now. And the reason that I do the things I do now, all because of Jesus. And so he takes this opportunity to talk about Jesus as the risen Lord and the one who is the Lord of his own life. That's what he's talking about. Now, I told you that we were going to talk about the different languages he's speaking and what that's about. He's talking to uh, the, the Roman official and he's speaking in Greek. So we understand each other. Then he turns to the crowd and he speaks to them in Aramaic. So we understand each other. And here we tend to make uh, make some mistakes when we think about uh, this sort of thing. One is we're, we're too used to people being two-faced. You're familiar with that expression. Being two-faced, that duplicitous nature where you, uh, depending on who you're around, you completely change who you are, what you're about, what you're doing. And so it's easy for us to look at a situation like this and say, man, if he's going to speak one way to this guy, he's going to speak another way to these people, maybe Paul's just being two-faced. I don't think that's what's going on. If you look at what he's doing, he says to the, uh, the Roman, look, I'm, I'm from Tarsus. That's, that's my home. 
this is, you know, he's got this point of connection with him, and he's speaking in a language he can understand. But you know what he's not doing? He's not saying to the Roman, can you believe these Jewish people? Come on. What's with them? And then he doesn't turn around and say to the Jewish people, I know, can you get these Romans? <laughs> what in the world is wrong with them? He's not doing that. That would be being two-faced. That's the duplicitous nature. He's not doing that. Instead, and what we tend to confuse is uh, how we have the same integrity and the same honesty and the same truthfulness and the same character and yet communicate with people to meet them where they are. That's what we see Paul doing. And so the message that he gives is not changing depending on who he's talking to. The message is the same. The character is the same. The honesty is the same. The respect for the other people is the same. But the language he uses is different. In this case, literally different. (laughs) A different language. And uh, so the other way... uh, we tend to miss this. So on one hand, we say, you know, somebody's duplicitous. So the other way we want to do that is say, so the answer to it is instead of being duplicitous, we just always have to be exactly the same no matter where we are. No matter who we're talking to, we're going to use the same words, we're going to say it the same way. But that's not really helpful either, is it? If he had turned around and said to the people and made his defense in Greek, they would have all been like, I don't know what this guy's about. But he doesn't do that. He changes the way that he speaks so that people will understand what he's talking about. And that, I think, is something that uh, we can learn from that we are called to do as well, is to meet people where they are, but the message stays the same. Uh, And to be that witness. Let me take you to a couple other places. One is in Luke. 21. This is Luke 21, starting verse 10. Jesus is uh, talking to his disciples. And he says, Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places, and fearful events, and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so, you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. All right. Let's just think about that. He tells them, you're going to get dragged before governors and kings and you're going to and this is going to happen because you're following me. This is what's going to happen to you. And they're like, "Ah, oh, that doesn't sound good." And then he says, "And I want you to make up your mind beforehand that you're not going to worry about what you're going to say." What in the world? How does that even make sense? That you wouldn't worry beforehand about what you're going to say if this is going to be the case. If you're going to be dragged before people, wouldn't you want to know ahead of time what you're going to say? But, remember why they're being called there. They're going to be called as witnesses, right? They're going to testify about Jesus. So they're going to be telling what they know of who he is. 
And, so they don't, and then the reason why they don't need to worry, and the Spirit's going to give them what to say, but the other thing is, if they know the message, they don't need to worry about, who, or about how they're going to say it because they don't yet know who they're going to be talking to. And who you're going to be talking to is going to change the words you use to say the same message. So what he's saying is, know the message. Know your relationship with me. Know that well. Understand who I am and what I'm about and what I've done in your life and what I'm doing for the world. Know that. Know it well. But don't only have one way to say it. In fact, when you go to talk to people, allow yourself to be led by the Spirit to speak in a way that they can understand. That they will be able to hear this message too. That you will be testifying to them. Meeting people where they are. Helping them to go where they need to go. That's what we're about. And so this is where I see what Paul is doing. Again, uh, he writes about this in another place. We have looked at this before, uh, fairly recently. This is 1 Corinthians 9. To see why he's doing what he's doing. 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19, he says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To the... uh, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. What is he saying? He's saying that though the message stays the same, it looks like he's doing something different everywhere he goes. And people are like, I don't don't get it. How come Paul's doing it this one day he's doing this another day? Is he being two-faced? Is he being duplicitous? Is he, is he wishy-washy? That whatever crowd he's around, that completely changes who he is? On the one hand, he is changing everywhere he goes. But he explains that the content stays the same. The message stays the same. The gospel stays the same. His testimony stays the same as he witnesses. That stays the same. His character, his integrity, it stays the same. His honesty, his respect for other people, that stays the same. But everywhere he goes, it's communicated differently. And it's not communicated differently because he's being wishy-washy. It's communicated differently on purpose so that they can understand. We miss this too easily. We tend to think it's one or the other. Either you change everything, and this is too easy to fall into, to change everything to fit in with whatever group you're in or to change nothing and be completely misunderstood by everybody. And what we're seeing here is that there is a different way and it's the message stays the same. The testimony stays the same but it's communicated in a different way. And the reason why he doesn't have to worry about what he's going to say ahead of time is not don't know the message. You don't know who yet you're going to be speaking to. And so when he speaks to the Roman, he speaks in Greek where he understands when he's speaking to the people, uh, we speak Aramaic, he speaks to them Aramaic. Uh, it's not just the language he uses. One other thing, um, point out here real fast, 
which is when he starts talking to them. You need to hear how he begins speaking. He begins by saying to them, "I'm uh, brothers and fathers, now listen to my defense. That was a good Jewish greeting to them. And then when he goes on, he starts in with the, I'm a Jew born in, I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus, let's say, brought, brought up in this city. Uh, so I'm like, from Jerusalem, basically. You're, this is my hometown, just like you. And then I was, uh, I studied under Gamaliel. You guys all know Gamaliel. Well, you probably don't, but they did. And I uh, was thoroughly trained in the law. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted, he is completely identifying with his audience. Saying, I know exactly what it's like to be in your shoes. We can relate on this. But he uses that point of connection to then talk to them in a way they can understand about who Jesus is and what he's done in Paul's life. And that the reason that he does everything now is because of Jesus. This is what uh, Jesus said would happen. That he's going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem <laughs> and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is what we see Paul doing. It's what we see that he's called us to do. So when you know that this microphone is coming your way, and it is, that's what we've been told. It's coming our way. Not necessarily that you're going to be dragged in front of kings, but you will be called to testify. That might not look like an official court proceeding, but just somebody asking you, tell me about Jesus. What is it? that you're all about. Know the message. Know your relationship with Jesus. Know the difference he's made in your life. And be ready, I mean, at a moment's notice, to talk about that. But don't worry about how you're going to say it yet. You don't need to worry about it. You don't need to be afraid about it. Because when you are one-on-one with somebody, when you're talking with a group... Spirit will guide you in how to say this message to these people that they can hear. You're not responsible for how they respond. Again, we'll talk about that next week. But to tell, to tell the good news of Jesus, the change he's made in your life and in the world, and the love that he has for the person and people you're talking to as well. That is the reminder (laughs) that we have this morning from Acts. I pray that we will remember this, that we will be ready to be witnesses whenever called upon. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.